Oh, the Lord giveth and he taketh away. He was, didn't want the Sooners to win the other week, but he was with the Baptists yesterday, so uh, <laughs> hopefully they showed up at church in, in Waco this morning. Um, they, they need to, but uh, um, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I want to encourage you, uh, tomorrow we're working at Amen uh, Food Pantry at 8.30 in the morning. That's our last time to, to serve this year. Uh, Ron's been having a wonderful class on Sunday morning, and one of the things we talked about is contentment this morning, and one of the things that brings us contentment is serving, and so that's an opportunity uh, for you to do that. We're in the Gospel of John this morning, and so if you have a Bible, you might want to be turning to John chapter 4, and we're going to be spending some time here looking at this story about a woman who Jesus meets at a well. Now, the Gospel of John blesses us with these sort of long interactions that that Jesus has with others. And and in these texts, God is revealed to us. So what we do with them is important. How we read them is important. When we read, are we looking for information? That's one way to read. Are we looking to fulfill an obligation? Or are we sitting with these texts and allowing God to transform us from the inside out? Do we encounter Christ as we read the Gospel of John? Just as we see it described here in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so this is how we should read the Gospel of John. We should read it slowly. We should meditate on these interactions that we come across. We should behold the glory of the Lord, and we should be transformed. The Spirit of God is at work in our lives when we sit with this text and we focus on Jesus. Now, there's a lot here in John chapter 4. There's more that we can cover in one sermon, but it's important for us to to, notice all of it. And I I would encourage you this week to spend some time in this passage to to, to go back and and read John 4 and, and read it slowly and think about it and let it challenge you in ways that it might not have challenged you in the past. Allow God to work in your life and and mold you to be like Jesus. When we look at this text, what do we encounter? We encounter a, a God who's willing to go to strange places and interact with strange people. Jesus here is driven to go to Samaria. This was a place that Jews avoided at all costs. Samaritans were hated. They were looked down upon. The, the, the Jews, in fact, used um, Samaritan as sort of a derogatory term. We see this in John 8 and verse 48, a little bit later in the gospel, where it says, the Jews answered him, they answered Jesus, and said, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And so in this conversation that Jesus is having with, with some Jews, Jesus is accused of being a a dirty foreigner possessed of a demon. 
He's less than human. He is a Samaritan. What was Samaria? It was the capital of the northern kingdom. You know, it's been said recently by more than one person that we are a divided nation. We are a nation that cannot get along. And we've witnessed a lot of ugliness over the last several years. Well, Israel was literally a divided nation. There was a north and a south. The Samaritans were northerners and the Jews were southerners. And they did not get along. They hated one another. And they said some really ugly things about one another. And they committed violence against one another. They both worshipped the same God, but they had different religious practices. And and they both believed that the other side was wrong. And this was Samaria. This is where Jesus went. If you want to feel comfortable, then don't follow God because God is going to make you feel comfortable uncomfortable at times. If you never want to be challenged, then don't become a disciple of Jesus because Jesus will challenge you. And if we say that we're a Christian and God has never made us feel uncomfortable or Jesus has never challenged us in some way, then we might want to examine our walk. We might need to spend some more time with God in passages like John chapter 4. Jesus went to Samaria and he sought out this woman who was in trouble. We ask ourselves, where are we going? Who are we seeking? Jesus chose to go to Samaria when most would have just bypassed it. They would have taken the long way around just so they didn't have to go through Samaria. What places are we avoiding? Where do we not want to go? Jesus here refuses to go the long way. Instead, he goes where he is not welcome, he goes where he is the enemy. He goes where it might not be safe. Why? Well, because it is who he is. It's the nature of God to be present everywhere, to go to these shady places, these dark corners of the world, and to minister to all people. Fred Craddock put it this way, Jesus' obligation to pass through Samaria is a theological statement consistent with, for God so loved the world. Do we love the world like God does? If so, where is it that we are willing to go? There are other things to pay attention to as we spend some time in this text. When, when God takes on flesh, he submits his, himself to certain limits. And we, we read in 
chapter 4 and verse 6 that, that Jesus was tired from his journey. So Jesus understands our weariness. He understands our aches and pains. And yet even in the midst of this exhaustion, Jesus finds a way to be useful. What can we learn about our own tiredness from Jesus? And how can we learn from him? Jesus begins the conversation by, by asking the woman for a drink of water. Can you give me a drink? Now, this is a woman who is used to not being seen. She comes to, to the well at noon, a time when no one would come to a well. She purposefully comes when no one else is around. She is likely ignored or, or ridiculed in the presence of others. But Jesus sees her and he asks her for something. And he reminds her that she is useful and that she does have something to offer. You know, when we serve others, we need to you know, see them as Jesus did. We need to remember that, that serving them is only part of the reason why we're there they have something to offer us as well. According to Matthew chapter 25, one of the things they offer us is the presence of Christ. When we're serving them, we're serving Christ. We're encountering Christ. And so when we serve, we give, but we also receive. This is what Jesus does here. He receives and then he gives and up to this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus has remained fairly quiet. He's turned water into wine, but he only did this in, in front of some servants. The, the wedding party there in Cana didn't see it. He meets with Nicodemus, but it's uh, at night in the cover of darkness. And so he first reveals himself publicly to this Samaritan woman. What do we know about this woman? Uh, many things have been assumed about her over the years. And I want to stress the word assumed. Uh, assumptions have been made about what she has done, uh, her marital status, her character. And we have to be very careful because the text does not provide us with all the details. We are told that she has had five husbands and that She's now with a man who is not her husband. People have assumed over the years that this woman was an adulterous woman, but we do not know this. What do we know? We know that in this culture, at this time, women were not allowed to divorce men. We know this. It was the men who divorced their wives. We also know from the teachings of Jesus and from historical accounts that men were going around practicing cheap divorce and they were forcing their ex-wives to live on the streets. And then they were left to beg and maybe if they could, remarry. And so if this woman had five husbands, 
It, it wasn't her doing. She had been mistreated. She had been treated as property. She had been passed around from man to man. And whenever a husband would get tired of her, he would divorce her and he would put her out on the street. And so when we encounter this woman in Scripture, we should not just rush to judgment. We should not see her as this adulterous woman. We should not judge her as every other person in her life has done. Instead, we should be like Jesus who has compassion on her. And Jesus comes to her in her brokenness. And, and he sees her for who she could be. He sees what others do not. Her husbands, they simply saw her as a piece of property. Other women see her as someone to look down upon. The Jews saw her as a Samaritan, someone not worthy of their time or energy. But Jesus here sees her as a human being created in the image of God, and he offers her something to live for. He offers her eternal life, which can begin right now. Your life can get better today. And Jesus speaks life-changing words, but, but what does it mean? He speaks of eternal life as, again, something that can be obtained immediately. And what does he have in mind here? Well, he, he uses this, this image of water for, for one reason, because they're at the well. You know, it's right there. But, but also because it's something that we desire. We thirst. And, and when we thirst, we seek to quench our thirst. And we do this over and over and over again. We do it so much that we probably don't think much about it. And the same is true with food. It's true with air. Hold your breath for a matter of seconds. And eventually you'll have a, a strong desire to breathe. We also have this strong desire within us for God. Um, C.S. Lewis discusses this in his book, Mere Christianity. He writes, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And so Lewis is making an argument for God here, but, but he makes a very important theological point that has to do with our text. The discussion that, that Jesus is having with the Samaritan woman at the well is about water, but it's not about water. It's about our deepest desires. It's about the question that Jesus first asked his disciples in John chapter 1. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? And Jesus uses water and he uses this well that happens to be there to talk about what really matters. 
Everyone, every person is born with this deep desire for God, a, a deep desire for something beyond themselves. And, and people often strive to fulfill this desire by seeking something other than God. And so people will try to fulfill it by seeking after alcohol or drugs or sex or buying things or sports or adrenaline rushes or you know whatever. You put anything there. And, and, and what's going on is we're, we're drinking water from the well when we could have living water. And our thirst is quenched only when we seek Jesus above all else. Because it's Jesus who gives us abundant life. It's Jesus who provides that living water that we desire deep within us. And I'm not sure that we fully realize this. We may think of Jesus as he's just someone who gets us into heaven or he's just someone who forgives us of our sins. And both of those things are true. But what we need to realize is Jesus offers us so much more. And he shows us what humanity can be. And, and he teaches us how to live. And we desperately need this because we are sinful beings who are born into a world of sin. And, and we don't know how to live. We do not know what life can be until we begin to trust Jesus and we walk in his ways. And we're missing out if we acknowledge Jesus, but we just continue to walk in the paths that we've always walked. There's no secret to following Jesus. It's reading passages like this one here and, and allowing them to challenge us and to shape who we are. It's saying, I need to become more like Jesus. I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to go to these places that I have avoided, this place maybe where people are not like me. And I need to pay attention to these people on the margins. I need to listen to their stories. This is what Jesus does here. And so I need to move closer to this image that I'm reading about in John chapter 4. Because there's life there. There's life if I become more like Jesus. What we might not pick up on, but first century readers would certainly have picked up on, is some of the wedding imagery that um, is associated with this passage. You know, we, we've already seen hints of this already. Jesus performs this miracle at a wedding at Cana. In, in, in the chapter right before this, in John chapter 3, Jesus is called the bridegroom by John the Baptist. And so we recognize those images. We get those. But we may be scratching our heads about where wedding images come up in John chapter 4. Well, a close reading of the book of Genesis would help because where does Isaac go to find a wife? Where does Jacob go find a wife? It's at a well. And the well becomes this symbol 
for the place where you go to find a spouse. And it's interesting that this woman who has all this marital problems meets Jesus as well. What's going on in her life? Well, she's been let down by man after man after man. And they put her out on the streets. And they have not been the husbands that they should have been. And this woman, she's probably tired. She's worn out and she's still seeking. She's looking for someone to treat her as she deserves to be treated. And she's with this guy now, but he's probably just like all the rest. And what she needs is Jesus. And here he is at a well. And she needs to pursue him with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. She needs to give her heart to Jesus and because he's not going to disappoint her. He's not going to let her down. He is the answer that she's been longing for. He's going to satisfy this, this longing that she has deep within her. This woman is deeply unsatisfied until she meets Jesus. And then he changes everything for her because her life becomes about Jesus from here on out. So much so that she, she just drops everything and she rushes back to town to tell people about Jesus. And we need to pay attention to this. We need to look at our own lives. Are we satisfied? Are we filled with joy? If we're not, then, then we need to pay attention to what it is that we're seeking. Because Jesus satisfies. Jesus brings us joy. Jesus blesses us. But we have to be seeking Him and not something else. Jesus is the answer to what we're looking for. He's the one who gives us abundant life. He offers us living water. We don't have to figure out the answer to life. We don't have to search and search and search. We know what we need. And so the question becomes, what will we do? How will we live? What will we seek? What will we seek when we wake up tomorrow morning? What will we seek throughout the day? Where are we going to be directing our focus what is it as we go throughout our day? What, what are we going to allow to, to shape who we are? Is it Jesus? What kind of person are we becoming? And these are important questions. You know, are we tired yet of all the other things in our life that just disappoint us over and over and over again? sort of amazing, you know, we, we, we allow things to disappoint us and we just keep going back to them. We just keep going back to them. We keep going back to them, just like the woman in this story. And the point is, there's a better way. Living water is available. We just have to wake up with a desire to live and to look to Jesus. And don't get distracted. Don't look away. Focus on Jesus and live. Look to Jesus when you don't know what to do. 
Look to Jesus when life is uncertain. Look to Jesus when you want revenge. Look to Jesus when you're having a bad day. Look to Jesus in the midst of this world that has gone wrong. Don't focus on the world. Focus on Jesus. And don't just look. Follow Jesus. Become like Him. Walk in the paths that that, that he's, He's given us. He's blessed us with. Because there's living water when we embrace Jesus. Are you thirsty? Jesus has what you're looking for. Seek Him, know Him, follow Him, and you'll never be thirsty again. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that You work in our lives. We're so grateful that You have sought us before we sought You. that you came and showed your love for us. Father, we are tired. We're sometimes overwhelmed. We're sometimes confused. We sometimes don't know what to do. I pray that we would turn our attention to Jesus. And that no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's happening in our lives, that we would look to Him and that we would seek help from Him and nowhere else. That we would want to become like Him and that we would learn to trust Him and to walk in His ways. And that we would be blessed. That we would discover this living water that he freely offers us. Father, we're grateful that he came and he died for our sins. That we can have redemption through his blood. That we can become a a new person and we do not have to be defined by our past. May we keep our eyes on the cross of Jesus and look nowhere else. We pray this in his name. Amen. Receive this blessing from the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to the invitation, you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to drink the living water that he offers, we would love to help you with that. Or if you're here and we can pray for you or do anything for you at all, why don't you come now as we stand, as we sing. By the Lord of